Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Legend of Korra retrospective, part of the overall Avatar retrospective here at the Waffle Press. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hey! It is that so one, early. Um, it's early for you. It's uh, 10.30 for me. Yeah, but, but I, have, I have my coffee. I have my <laughs> other coffee. I'm ready should, to go. These, these are some rough episodes. <laughs> Oh, you, you okay? You think they're rough? Um, here's the thing. Uh, I think there's a lot happening here, <laughs> and I think there's I, I I basically boiled down to I think there's one fatal flaw of these first five episodes, uh, which we will get into pretty early because it like rears its head like almost immediately, <laughs> um, and I think that kind of fucks it up. I. I I have not watched this show in a few years, so like I'm always like I only like half remember what happens. Um, as maybe people can tell from the previous recordings, um, where I make predictions that like clearly didn't happen. But uh I I remember it I when I watched it initially, I watched like all in one sitting. Like I did the whole thing at once, and that worked. Because I remember it like really sticking the landing. Mm-hmm. But I think if just going on these first five, there's a lot of there's a lot of ups and downs. Okay, I agree with that completely. You've talked a lot about how you think Korra is like built for the streaming era more so than The Last Airbender, which is funny because The Last Airbender and Korra have been like constantly going back up to Netflix's top 10 yeah. <laughs> like watch list, which is pretty great in my opinion. Nothing solidifies that more than this season, I think, Mm -hmm. because not only are there a lot of ups and downs, knowing that I have certain feelings about the back half of this season makes these slightly more of a struggle to get through. But Mm -hmm. I only mean that, like, because like it's setting up building blocks. The problem, I think, is that it kind of does toss a lot at you to get characters to certain places. Oh, yeah. There's so this is such a front loaded, like, first five episodes. Yeah. And I, you know what? I like a lot of what's happening here, though. Like, I do, but I also feel like it's weird where this season is, is longer than uh, the first season of Korra was. And I, but it still feels like they rushed a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, a, like, a little, a little. I for feel sure. like the the first two episodes specifically. I feel like all the stuff that happens in the first two episodes, they should have just doubled it. Like this, the first two should have been four episodes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a whole other thing. Because um, because of, of the first this this season, a lot of what's going on here revolve involves understanding water tribe politics and the spirit realm which are you know you know a little bit about from uh avatar but the politics of those weren't as it was like i'm not saying that like you know i'm not trying to be like it wasn't political or anything but not as in depth as you need to understand a lot of what's happening here (laughs) yeah Um, but let's Uh, get into it 
Yeah, it's a little, you know what? It's a little bit of a Star Wars prequel problem. It is. I was actually, I was thinking that. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I was, I wasn't even thinking that. And I apologize that I'm going to bring this up because, oh, I know, no. But I was thinking of uh, everyone's favorite, uh, the Plinket reviews from back in the day. Legend of Korra, book two, is the worst thing that happened a, since my son. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like you made a fairly good point where he, he says that <laughs> Attack of the Clones involves we need you need to understand intergalactic space politics and the Jedi, <laughs> which are both things that are kind of underdeveloped in Attack of the Clones. Like, I've come around on all the prequels, but I also think they're like kind of like disasters, <laughs> but they're like, but they're like fun, you know? It's like whatever they're fucking space wizards. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, well, I think I think the big thing with both the prequels and Legend of Korra, and I think Legend of Korra is significantly better just by by like if you had to compare those two massively separate things. Um, but I, I think ultimately they they can get a pass even if they don't end up really working because at least they're about something, and maybe that's like a low bar. Yeah, but like. How many movies and TV shows do you watch now where you're like, yeah, that was, was fun. Yeah, nothing I enjoyed happened. My, I enjoyed watching something happen at me, <laughs> and now I'm going to go live the rest of my life and never think about that again. Well, I think it says something that one of the more in-depth and interesting shows in the last few years was she Ron, the Princesses of Power. <laughs> You you cannot get me started on that. <laughs> I will I will spiral so fast. <laughs> Diego just watched it for the people in the future. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. But just to stick to the point I'm making, it's like there have been fucking prestige television shows that have less going on than that show. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um. Like I'm a. I've been very public about enjoying the Mandalorian a lot this season, but I'm not getting like, like, uh, like a lot of meat on the bones, so to speak, mm -hmm. I guess. And then I watch an episode, a single episode of She-Ra and this, it's just like the greatest thing I've ever experienced, you know? <laughs> we might have to do that might have to, that might be a retrospective someday, but yeah, it might, something. It, it it, might it, kill both of us. At the very least, there needs to be an episode where I just finally unleash all these things I'm feeling <laughs> because there's there's just too much. Um, but but for Legend there. of Korra, we yes. gotta we gotta we gotta Legend of Korra walks so she rock could run. I I think they run alongside each other. I think yeah. one maybe picks up the pace a little faster, but <laughs> but that's uh, we'll get there eventually because yeah. I think those are comparable series. Um, but chapter one, Rebel Spirit. I should Six say there's months. already an like immediate like shift in just the opening narration, which fucking like Netflix will skip, by the way. Yeah, what the fuck, Netflix? <laughs> yeah. So like you'll you can miss important plot details in those intros because this in the intro we're told that uh since the events of uh the the equalists being taken out, that the council was actually disbanded. And that uh, Republic City has elected a, its first president. So now there's democracy, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, I like what this season's about. Maybe, maybe you, you kind of need a little bit more in between there. I guess I think it's also something, but it's also something where it's like, 
with the amount of stuff they were trying to do this season, <laughs> it's like you couldn't also be like, also, how did democracy come to Republic City? <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. And like, it'd be like, ah, eh, they figured it out. Like, people just immediately <laughs> embraced democracy. Yeah, which, I, which democracy is, is a nice sentiment, honestly. Um, mm. and it's we 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 also eventually find out that's not exactly a cure all. Yeah, you know, which, Although which I, say, I really like. One thing to point out though is that the uh, the first president is very specifically a non-bender, mm-hmm. which I just found interesting. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I mean that's intentional, right? Because it's yeah. like oh, Amon brought up like a legitimate thing. He was just lying about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he was lying about why he was bringing up like inequality between benders and non-benders, and it's like, well, here's yeah. the. Here's kind of a way not to placate people, but like to have people's voices be heard. Well, it at least tells me that the at least the writers were thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know that that was kind of one of the issues we had with the towards the end of, of book one, where it's like this is just so much, mm-hmm. and then season two doesn't stop being so much, but it's also kind of like setting the pieces in place to kind of level itself out. But then uh, I, these are bumpy episodes. They are definitely bumpy. But then there's also something really awful that's just like they just sneak it in under the wire in the opening. Do you know what I'm talking about? You might have to remind me. Uh, the, the narrator says, Cora and her boyfriend Mako have become the talk of the town. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, okay, so we're catching up with everyone. Cora uh, is like, I've mastered airbending. I don't need Tenzin anymore. And it's like, she goes oh. into the Avatar state to win a, a race against children. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's clearly supposed to be a joke, so it's funny. Yeah. Um, but then they hit you with Mako's a police officer now. And Mako's a cop. And it's uh, like fire ferrets have fallen apart. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fire ferrets are like useless now because it's just Bolin who gives a shit. I wrote here uh, the suck train continues with Mako becoming a cop. <laughs> um and he's doing cop one-liners yeah he has a list of catchphrases that he's like trying out on cora <laughs> which uh... i have been completely won over by that character this watch because <laughs> he's just like adult yeah it's great i told you <laughs> i remember trying to explain it to someone like a few like someone i knew someone who was like super anti mako and I was trying to explain to him, like, no, no, what's great about him is he sucks. <laughs> and they thought I was crazy. But um, who doesn't? <laughs> well, I think part of what actually does work about these episodes, and I do think overall they do mostly work, but, like, I, these episodes allow characters to make mistakes. Yeah. You know? And we could debate how much is, like, how, how much feels like organic or authentic but i do like that they go there at least you know yeah like i i don't want i don't just want characters that are going to be like cut and dry like they are the good guy you know mm-hmm. like i mean ang didn't have like these exact struggles and he was interesting but like you also kind of already did that so now it's time to try something else <laughs> you know like i i don't know it's it's, it's a good like dynamic between cora and her like newfound power to also be like, hey, she never really got like the full Avatar learning experience yet. And mm-hmm. so there's probably going to be issues with how she utilizes that power. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's also like they're very overly protective because it's like, hey, the last time we had an avatar, he disappeared for a hundred years. <laughs> you know, I read something really upsetting that I didn't know about um, in terms of avatar lore, which is that I think Aang dies at like age like 60 or something like that in in uh in whatever fake history the show has oh that's right because this takes place like 70 years after last yeah. Airbender. so he, he dies and it says relatively young considering other avatars and it's because he spent those hundred years in um in the iceberg oh i would have thought it's like, because he got fucked up so bad all the time yeah i mean he had a lot happen to him and i think he, he actually died once so yeah <laughs> like been there done that yeah man Cora's not gonna make it to fucking 40 considering <laughs> the shit that happened to her oh jesus um, um but also asami's should... doing things yes i was about to bring her up She's doing things. Um, Her company's in trouble because they make weapons. They don't have weapons. They can't sell them to people. <laughs> um, I do like that. Look, the, the hard truth about Asami this season is that she kind of doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah, she disappears for huge chunks of this. Yeah, and I'm not crazy about that. Mm-hmm. But the material that you do get once in a while is, I, I think, actually pretty good like they they open on a strong foot here i think where it's like yeah she has to kind of carry on like the family business but also like what does that even mean and she has to put on a face for like her employees and everyone yeah and so when she like hires bolin to like be her like chauffeur slash bodyguard for this episode it's like it's clearly like a moment for her to like have emotional support but also like she kind of does just want like a friend around yeah you know? she could have done better than bolin though Probably, but also... Bolin is not good at anything he does. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the other choice is, like, Mako. Yes, yeah. Like, that's kind yeah, of... You it. know what? Bolin and Mako are kind of, like, equal in terms of what they can do. It's just Mako has more confidence. So, like, yeah. he can fool you a little bit. It's like, well, he must know what he's doing. And then it's like, oh, no, he doesn't. Well, he has cool hair. So yeah, hey, and he's got a cool bunch of catchphrases. <laughs> got a list of catchphrases. Imagine if that like fell out of your pocket, like <laughs> while you were on duty, and like your fellow officers, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> if I tried on those protesters, I'm trying to evict tomorrow night. <laughs> hey, no, they were just there to make sure things didn't get out of control. Oh, okay. Remember that was what they said this time, so it's okay. Police monitoring peaceful protests are totally fine. Mm, okay. Nothing, nothing strange or odd about that. Mako's like, I'm here at your service, Mayor Garcetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great times we live in. We, we catch up with everyone in Republic City, and then it's like, okay, but now we're going to leave Republic City well, and go to the Southern Water Tribe. He's not on the council anymore, and he's all like, well, now we can go visit all these air temples. But there's also the festival happening at the Southern Water Tribe. So we're going to go there first, and then we're going to go to the Southern Air Temple. I think that's what they say. No, no, no. That, that, that is what they say. Uh, okay. And, like, 
again, it's something that makes sense, but it's also like, whoa, we're like five minutes into this and we're just like kind of shifting gears already. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It's it's one of those things where that, that's why this kind of has like a, a completely different structure than Last Airbender, which I think throws people. And I, I don't blame it for throwing people because in that show, it'd be like, all right, new season, but we're still on basically the same path we were last time. Mm-hmm. And this is like, we start off and it's like, man, I'm glad all that equalist stuff's done. <laughs> and so we kind of have to, but then now we have to reestablish what the status quo is and what's going on in the world. I'll just, I'll just bring it up now. I think something that maybe would have eased people into it better, and I'm not saying that they had to do this. I just, I think this would have eased people into it better, uh, make or break the show, whatever, is that if they had like a season where they did travel the world like a second season where they did travel the world and instead of um, how they start off this one. I don't know how much better that would have worked. I, maybe it's the wrong foot on it in, in like its own way. Uh, that's just something I've been thinking about lately. I don't know. I don't think that's it. For me, that's not what was missing from this. I like that they keep trying to be like, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on this fun adventure. And then Cora's like, nah. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tenzin, because he's an adult, is like, fine, then I'll go on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I love about Tenzin is that he's like this calm, collected, trying to be like this, this like uh, this spiritually collected monk. Mm-hmm. But he's also like clearly got his own issues working we, out. <laughs> we downplay how hysterical it is that he's Aang's son. Yeah, it's. It's like a that's, great character. That's the kid that Aang made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you meet Boomy, and Boomy feels like, all right, that's definitely Aang's kid. Mm-hmm. And even Kaya, like you can, there's kind of like a Sokka element to her, yeah, in a way. And she's definitely got some like, like you know, she's got a mix of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then actually, like you know Tenzin. what? Bo- Boomy is like if Aang and Sokka had a kid, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Boomy's great, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, uh, something I also want to credit the series for is that I want to say, even with with uh, some of the issues, I honestly don't think it ever feels overcrowded with characters, with the exception of Asami, because she's part of the gang and just doesn't get a lot to do this year. Yeah. But, like, look at the cast they've added for this season like on wikipedia and it's like 13 people yeah it's crazy i forgot how many new people are now and then like they become regulars too like a lot of these people stick around yeah and it's like not a problem yeah that's like how do you do that i don't know that's 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 pretty good writing i guess i mean yeah because it does it does have this balance that um I, i i've come to appreciate a little more um but I'm trying to look at what happens. So they go to the southern water and blah, 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 blah. Um, they meet with Chorus, uh, mother and father. Uncle. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Unalak. Unalak. What a great, completely non villainous name. Yeah, he, here's my first, the, the big problem <laughs> I had is that, like, the moment this guy shows up, you're like, this guy's evil. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and it's, you have to turn Korra into like, not just like Korra being stubborn, like that makes sense, right? 
Yeah. Like her being set in her ways, that makes a lot of sense. But this, like, she has to be kind of brain dead to not see what the fuck this guy's doing. <laughs> Especially after all the shit she put up with in fucking season one, you know? And the character Unalak is like he's physically even very similar to a Tarlock yeah. from Republic City. He and plays like, the you... same exact role. They're both in the water tribe, mm-hmm. you know. Did you not learn anything from Tarlock? You know, like yeah, it's it's just it seems a little weird. And he, I mean, he literally shows up and is like talking about like we need to cleanse the Southern Water Tribe, and it's like yeah, that's a normal thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, he's very much. You ever see that video of the guy? Um, he he was like a Vine star who does like the when you meet a character in an anim, in a video game he's like this world is imperfect hey it's nice to meet you this world is imperfect what if only i could wipe away the impurities is anybody else listening to this make it as beautiful as me (gasps) lysanderoth you were behind all this yes it was i my machinations lay undetected for years for i'm a master of deception I i will say because uh, we, we do have a little more to talk about in this episode, but like, even though Unalak is like day one, like, yep, that's that's definitely the villain for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's like, I think he's like a necessary villain for this season, considering no, like I, the the ideas going on. You know, I have no problem with what he ends up doing as the villain, but I feel like there needed to be a little more where you could believe that like at least a little bit you had to buy into that he really was there to try and bring balance, you know? Because mm-hmm. there yeah, are he, there are dark spirits attacking. That's like something that's happening now. Oh yeah, we and get the Godzilla opening yeah. to open the season, which I love. I didn't, I had that in my notes. I didn't bring it up, Um, but that's it. I love that. I love that so much. It's great. Yeah, we get a bunch of spirit monsters and it's like, all right, that's a threat and that's a thing. And I just think like you needed to, you needed to write it in a way like, I'm not trying to, like, dictate, you know, how it mm-hmm. should be, but I, I, it just feels like that's when we're, like, you kind of needed this guy to be, like, you, you needed to believe either he was legit in what he was doing or maybe he's, like, a misguided idiot, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, like, oh, you know what, he really believes what he's doing is right, but then it, it turns out like, oh, but it, it's causing negative things where it's like, hey, this could lead to a civil war. And he's like, well, I'm not trying to start a civil war. I'm just trying to help the spirits. Like you needed to believe <laughs> that's what he believed. Even And then you could still totally do the heel turn where it's like, actually, I've been pulling the strings from the beginning. And like, you're like, I'm fine with that. But you like, you just needed to be, there needed to be some mystery there. Yeah, even like, even if just for these first two episodes, because like not to jump ahead too much, but yeah. like there's a pretty solid cliffhanger there, and it's just like imagine if they just weave that like that thread a little better. Like, well, it's like with Harlock in season one, it's like you meet that guy and you're like, I don't trust that dude, you know? Mm-hmm. You look up, but it takes you a while to figure out what his game is. Like, you're like, oh, maybe he's secretly working with Amon, or maybe he's got, like, what? what's his agenda? Like, that's part of the mystery. Like, you don't know how far he's willing to go, and you don't know what his real goal is. And then, like, once it's revealed, it's like, oh, that's interesting, and it, like, adds, 
you know, you start, it, you discover things as the characters do. And this, it's like, you're like, this guy's going to fucking try to end the world or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's like the bare minimum of what this guy could be up to. Uh, and I think, like, like here's how I would have done it, because I'm a fan, and I obviously know how all this stuff works perfectly. But, like, um, just make him, like, a really polite uncle. Yeah. You know? And just, just make him nice, even with his brother, you know? Like, the moment there's conflict with her dad, because, like, look at it from, like, Cora's perspective. It's like, okay, here's, like, a, a figure that's, like, giving me comfort, at least. Like, I, yeah. I can kind of buy into why Cora is drawn to Unalak. As a viewer, you just can't get there, though, because it's like, here's conflict with not just Tenzin, who's her mentor, but um, also uh, her father. And like, like, no, like, yeah, there's just no way he's anything but a villain. Like the yeah. twist would have been if he wasn't. Well, yeah, it's like, and it's like it totally it poisons this whole thing because it's one of the things where like you should be kind. We need to be on Cora's side a little more when she's like look Tenzin like I can't really work with you anymore like I like you're not letting me do what I feel like I need to do and there she's got a point where it's like she her whole life's been controlled you know Mm -hmm. the fucking white lotus society has been like babying her her whole life and like understandably like they're coming from a place like I said where it's like we we, we lost the last avatar for 100 years so we got to be safe with the next one and make sure that shit doesn't happen again and, you know, everyone's got like their own, like everyone's doing what they think is right, but they are also, you know, not letting her make, like be her own person. And that's what she's kind of fighting with a little bit. And, you know, fucking this, her uncle comes in and is like, Hey, I, I believe you a little bit. And you're supposed to be like, yeah, you know, maybe this guy's misguided, but he does have a point. Instead you're like, dude, he's clearly using you. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it makes Cora look like an idiot. Um, yeah, like honestly, it kind of is just the Unalak thing that really. Yeah, it's like that's it like, kind of presents the bump in the road because, like, I completely understand where Tenjin's coming from too, mm-hmm. and I do think um, he is also uh, <laughs> like both him and Cora are in the wrong in their own ways, but not like entirely. Like Tenjin's like I have this, this strict regime plan ahead yeah <laughs> we will we will stick to this format it'll be a fun adventure but here's like the agenda for the adventure and it's like yeah but you also understand completely how Tenzin got to that point because of like the pressure of like his upbringing you know where's the thing Tenzin has goes on his own adventure for these five episodes you know like after mm-hmm. the after the first one he like he splits off from Korra goes on his own adventure his story is like totally fine. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I didn't have any problems with that. Like he goes on his own arc, his own adventures. And it's like, Oh, all right. Everything, you know, now it makes sense why he's kind of fucked up. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's why he's got some issues. Blah, blah, blah. Like we'll get more into it. But with Cora, like you, it, you just don't have that balance where it's like, yeah, these people are controlling your life, but you don't have like, it's just her uncle just doesn't offer like it. it, it you can't trust the fucking guy. Like, it's so clear he's controlling her in a different way <laughs> and in a way that's so apparent that Cora should have seen her yeah, yeah especially after all the shit she went through in the first season yeah so that that's my that's my studio note just stop making Unala creepy yeah make him nice at first you can make him creepy later whatever just <laughs> or yeah, maybe the niceness will make him creepy mm-hmm. like later after the heel turn I guess uh, it's it, it's not a cure-all to the situation. I'm just 
It's yeah. something, I guess. Uh, but it's like, but, they, like it, it, it comes down to like, they even like, anytime you see the fucking guy, he's like in like half shadow and like, he's like all the duplicitous looking and it's just. Yeah. Like I, I think I brought it up in, in the last recording. Um, where like I, I brought up 24, how 24 would always do that when you're like, this person's helping the terrorists. Yeah. And then like the, whenever you see them again, it's like, you know the shadow highlighting their eyes and stuff like that it's like that's just just keep framing them the same because no one else knows they're the bad guy yet and again <laughs> you know? i think what needed to happen was just that you needed to put the the, the spirits as the threat more front and center mm-hmm. i think that needed to be front and center where it's like the problem right now is that the spirits are running amok for some reason Cause then the uncle would come in and be like, Hey, I understand spirits. Like he, you know, he does his thing, but again, cause he's so untrustworthy and we see like very little of the spirit shit. Like there's like one or two attacks basically. And we don't like really see the scale of it. And this guy's like, Hey, I, I think there's a place at the South pole. <laughs> like I read about it a few times. So we're just going to go there. And there's already a ticking clock element to it. And it's like, all right, sure. It just, it feels like on the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. and i just i felt like we needed more like we're, we are fighting the threat of the spirits we needed to plausibly buy that as the threat and then you can flip it in and be like actually it's this like ancient rivalry between two brothers <laughs> and then it's like oh and then it's also politics and it's now like this whole other mess yeah and it's like part of the threat of these early episodes um because even though it is like oh unalak's kind of egging all of this on like across the globe like that's kind of the sense you get of it by the end yeah um but there there is like i think uh a pretty exciting element with how like all of this stuff with or without unalak is causing like the disruption with the spirit world in the human world yeah. you know uh and so uh, here you go some of that is intentional and i think some of that is not and so yeah. intentional but well, again, it's it, like, it works know, for me we're, we're supposed to be on Korra's side when she's like hey look i'm supposed to be the bridge between the two worlds and then you're like yeah this is a problem that avatar should deal with it we're supposed to end up on her side mm-hmm. and you just don't like and you know it's not her fault <laughs> it's 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 writing it's just the writing you know yeah yeah this is like the most critical I'm, i think i'm probably gonna be of the show honestly <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a weird setup, but uh, some other highlights I want to announce. Um, the I like the animation of this, even though they changed uh, or they had they had to bring in an extra studio, mm-hmm. the uh, Japanese animation studio Pierrot. Uh, studio Mir worked on the series' entire first season, and they'll kind of go back and forth for I think the remainder of the show's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't I don't think anyone's like worse than the other or anything like that i i just thought that was interesting and there's i don't a noticeable know why shift, that is there's a noticeable shift in some of the animation uh, and i don't know what it is like there's there's like some episodes where all of the first season of corn no matter what was happening it always felt big you know mm-hmm. and this one kind of hits like weird marks where it's like it feels relatively small for what's happening Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it will feel big, especially by the end of this season. But uh, uh, Studio Mir takes over the most of the back half of this season, okay. so that might be the change up there. Okay. 
Uh, but I do like the look of like this winter festival in the South Pole and stuff like that. Like it's yeah, it's always nice to have just like an episode or a moment where the characters all get to hang out like that, and then they get hit with like the oh here's a threat. Yeah, no, the festival's fun. There's like goofy Ang like things. Did you see those? <laughs> yeah. And again, we're like, that's honestly like kind of funny. Where, and also, you should be on like, what's his name's side and just be like, he's when he's like, this festival used to mean something, but he says it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? He doesn't say it like a guy who's like, I really care about my culture and it's like upsetting to see it like turn into this goofy festival. He says it like a guy where it's like, once the impurities are washed <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like, Cora's again, like, this guy's got some ideas. And it's like, <laughs> but, what's going on like, with Cora? <laughs> like, like again, like if he just made Unalak like, like a nice uncle or something like that, and he's yeah. like, yeah, you know, like it's good to see everyone enjoying themselves, but I'm not crazy about people forgetting like their mm-hmm. traditions and stuff like that. And then that leads you into like the natural conflict of his brother being like, well, you know, times change, tradition changes, yada yeah. yada yada. There's a nice conflict, like. The, the, I think the unspoken thing um, is that the villain Unalak this season is like very religious, like a fanatic, yeah. like an obsessive I mean, there was, some, there was some religious imagery with Amon, you know. He was like, I am the true chosen one by the spirits to take away Bending, but then he was full of shit. Yeah. And, but this guy, like, you, you at least get the sense he believes what he's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, and it's definitely it's a it's a battle of like tradition versus secularism, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is and it's like how do you like, you know, like the big question in America: how do you unite all these people? It's like, well, you gotta you, like mm-hmm. you don't have to find a middle ground between Nazis <laughs> and people that want to be alive. You have to find the balance between like actual progressive causes <laughs> that will kind of help even everything out. And like, I think that the through line. And Cora this season is like, how does she actually bring balance to the spirits? And well, like my granddad always said, I'm not looking for the government to solve my problems. I'm looking for the government to understand my problems. I want to say so many things, but I'm who not going to. Who is the fucking to. guy who was like, every American deserves to have a lawyer by their side, <laughs> like when oh, they have healthcare what? problems? Wasn't it that fucking Kennedy? The one who it probably lost. was. He said Fuck something that like that, and it's like, that's like it was. Wow. Uh, well, yeah, that's pretty bad. Everything is fucked up right now. Yeah. I just, speaking just, of fucked I, up, I just fucking just get us through the fucking next month, man. <laughs> I just need to get this shit over. I mean, ugh. Speaking of fucked up, we also meet Cora's cousins, Unalak's kids. Oh yeah. Um, Desna and Eska, right? Yeah. Played by Aaron Himmelstein and Aubrey Plaza. Hey! Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is clearly the big casting choice here. Yeah, uh, well, because that character, she she has more to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember when I first watched it, I remember thinking Aubrey Plaza was a little distracting as her voice. Um, but this time it like totally worked for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like, I mean, I, I think she's a good actress, but like, yeah, no, it, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. I like, like, I like this weirdness. I liked her character a lot more this time around. 
Well, because wow. at first it feels like just like like one of the big things that initially put me off in the first season, right? Like it feels like kind of almost generic relationship, like sitcom writing. Yeah. At first, like there's this weird girl, and and then she turns out to be really weird, <laughs> and it's like, oh, now how how's Bolin gonna get out of this one? You know, <laughs> like like that's kind of the the, the vibe I got. Uh-huh. And then, like, no, I mean, it's not like it's not my favorite thing in this in this these episodes, but I was like, no, it's, it's funny. Well, it it does deal with the fact that it. like Bolin's like refusing to actually deal with the problem because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's kind of a coward. Oh, oh, uh, oh! But here's what really made me like it this time, and I completely like to me signify that the writers completely knew what they were doing with it. Mm-hmm. Was that when Bolin goes to Mako for help and he's like, Oh, you're so smart, Mako? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's clearly a joke. And I'm not just saying that because we're dunking on Mako. Like, mm-hmm. that's clearly like a, a winking nod to well, this all that. This season is like definitely calculated to start to get us to be, to like, it's like mask off Mako's an idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, they totally are like, because we're supposed to turn on, because I mean, a big part of this is. The, they're engineering the breakup of Mako and Korra. Oh, spoilers. Hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, one's like, that's my favorite couple. Yeah. No, everyone <laughs> cheered the moment it happened. No, um, like, <laughs> I don't want, spoiler alert, they're not Endgame. Uh, <laughs> and there's that infamous Tumblr post where someone's like, we're popping bottles when the Korra happens in the finale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that person was sincere, but that's an incredible post. Wow, that's uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's un- that's a very unfortunate. Um, wonder how they. I wonder if that was genuine. I wonder how they felt. And they're like, I fucking hate this entire series now. Well, we just had to live through another fucking Tumblr meltdown, which I didn't even know Tumblr like had enough energy to have another meltdown over the fucking. Uh, supernatural final oh yeah but that like bled over to twitter which yeah made it, like really funny to watch but there was still like tumblr conspiracy theories happening around it oh really yeah it, it, like i can't like it, we, we would be here for another three hours if i tried to explain okay okay all okay, the different yeah. levels of it but it was yeah we're like, still on the first episode so it was weird to see happen again yeah um should have just been like Todd from Bojack Horseman, where he's just like getting into like ridiculous schemes like every <laughs> season. Yeah, well, I mean that does kind of happen here at least. Yeah, but like it needs to like be like. Remember when Todd like had like his idea for like the clown? Dentist? I didn't finish it. I didn't finish Bojack. Oh, I just oh, saw the first God. season. Oh yeah, watch it. It's great. I know. I know. Everyone tells me. I'm, At one point, I'm... Todd gets an idea that he's like, "What if there was a." place a dentist place that was run entirely by clowns so people can have a laugh while they're having dentistry done <laughs> believe it or not the kids did not appreciate it <laughs> well here bolin teams up with asami for a little bit and then gets to meet um avatar's iron man stand-in i yeah. guess the He's elon kind of- musk of the there you go that's better yeah um but also like many things in the avatar universe fares much better than the real life version 
yeah. of uh, Elon Musk. Uh, but I just like that Bolin, like coming from like like a, a poor working class like background, basically becomes buddy buddy with like the richest man in the South Pole, <laughs> and like they're both idiots, <laughs> like that. I don't know. Like the dynamic between those two characters is so funny <laughs> to me. I don't know. That's great. I, I could watch an entire spin-off season about them. Just mentioned it's the he's voiced by Varric is voiced by uh John Michael Higgins, who some people might remember from Best in Show and other Christopher Guest films. He's been in like a million things. Yeah. Uh for community heads, he is the uh, seize the day professor oh yeah yeah i forgot about yeah. that yeah he's uh, he's yeah he's a terrific actor he's had a hell of a career he played david letterman <laughs> he was uh he played david letterman in the late shift tv movie and letterman hated his performance oh and like made it known on, on his own show oh that's but, too bad he, you know what to be fair i love john michael Higgins. he he's like he plays letterman at like if letterman was always yelling mm. which was like that wasn't really letterman <laughs> that'd be like playing joe biden as like a cool gunslinger yeah that wouldn't that what, make any sense is that what snl is doing i just seen a gif of it like with um uh, what's jim fucking jim carrey yeah jim doing carrey like, is joe biden. like finger pistols and it's like dude what yeah <laughs> like, that what was like that? 20 like four years ago <laughs> But he like keeps doing it. Like every gif I see of it is just him doing that. And it's not from the same episode, I don't think. Remember when like uh the onion had like the running gag that like Biden was like like the crazy vice president who was always like trying to like he had he always had some scheme going on. That was like the onions running gag for like the eight (laughs) years of Obama. And it was like, oh, that's funny and endearing. And then for some reason people started thinking that's actually what he's like. Yeah, that's why satire can't like work nowadays. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. No, all Paul Verhoeven stuff still works. Oh I yeah, but that, that. that's because they play it completely straight. Yeah, I don't know if I would say completely straight. They had a, they had well, a like board people, game. People straight up thought Starship Troopers endorsed fascism. Oh the, yeah, the movie, not the book. Yeah, there's there's that, but I but I mean like RoboCop has a board game called Nukem in it. what a what a film yeah (laughs) um anyway so yeah cora and tenzin split up she she rebukes his his authority and uh decides to go with unalak for her mentor after fighting an evil spirit that like interrupts the festival yeah um have you seen the spirit designs like that um, that they cooked up for this like not the ones that made it into the series but like they have uh, like no. some, they have no, like some not. silent hill style like yeah designs. that's, that's kind of what like I, again like why i wish they could stretch it out a little bit because like we start get like the next episode like kind of turns into like arctic horror mm-hmm. which is like great but i just wanted a little more of it you know <laughs> Yeah, like this is the one season that I would have liked to have been like the full 20 episodes that The Last Airbender had. Mm-hmm. Like just because I want to see more of the spirit stuff and like maybe yeah. they got to go to another village where like they have to stop a spirit attack or something like that. 
like I said, I wish the first two had been four episodes and they just expanded on like trying to make the spirits a credible threat and also like have us understand them a little better. Mm -hmm. And and then also uh, to establish what the fuck the water tribe politics situation is. Yeah, that was a little confusing. Like, I just but need I guess to know we can... a, a little bit more, but yeah, yeah, yeah we can uh, we can I... jump into episode two. Yeah, the Southern Lights, because unlike the North Pole, the South Pole apparently has no like uh, uh, Southern Lights. I was going to say Northern Lights, but it's like objectively yeah. not that. And again, <laughs> the here's, here's the fucking problem with Unalak or whatever the fuck. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Unalak, yeah. Unalak. Just want to make sure I'm getting that right. The problem with him is that when he's like, well, you know, we have the Northern Lights and the South used to have lights, but then they became corrupted. <laughs> and because he's like so transparently evil, you like, you don't know if he's lying or not. <laughs> you know, you're like, is this guy like, is he making this up or <laughs> is he like a fanatic that believes in this and it's not actually true? And so like, it, it, it just, it's just odd. <laughs> Like if like if he had said that and then Cora's father had come in and been like, yeah, you know, we used to have them, but they kind of went away. We don't know why. <laughs> like, and then it's like, all right, well, at least we now know they're an actual thing. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, I just it 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 screws up the balance of these first few episodes. Uh, but I like a lot of the imagery in this, like all the spirit stuff, uh, oh, regardless of who animated it. Like, there's a it's a complete change up from the first season's like steampunk vibe, uh, which which I love in its own way too. But like when I think of Avatar, I tend to think of like the vast landscapes, the starry nights, and all that shit. So this episode yeah. like really took me back. And of course, it's not me saying it has to be that because I obviously like the Republic City stuff too. It's just like it, it really took me back to that feeling of like, oh yeah, like they're going on like an adventure. You know, to like a an unknown like land, and they're just gonna discover some shit. And unfortunately, what they discover is that they're all idiots. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. One thing, Cora's father like demands to go on this adventure with them, mm -hmm. and Unalak starts shit talking her father like to his face in front of her, and like I would never be okay with that. <laughs> like, yeah. It, again, it, it also puts in this weird spot where, like, you don't totally understand the dynamic between Cora and her father at this point. Mm -hmm. it, it just starts getting strange. And, like, this eventually leads to we find out all about um, how Cora's father was banished from the Northern Water Tribe. He was supposed to take the throne, but because he was he he destroyed a forest that was important it unleashed evil spirits and so he he got banished and, and course, I, I like, like how could like you not history. how could you not tell me about the most traumatic thing that happened in your life <laughs> i was like well cora sometimes things are hard to talk about but like yeah. that totally needs like more space i yeah. think in the middle of these episodes Again, like it's like I if that's gonna be Cora's reaction, fine, but like there you just need a little more going on there. Mm -hmm. Just need a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, I think what makes it even like rougher in these episodes is that this is a series that has become so good 
at giving characters like these spaces to kind of like mm. either discuss things or like deal with their emotions in some capacity. Yeah. You know? And so when they don't, it, it doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like this feels like it's like a lot of plot just happening. Because mm-hmm. because we got to get to what's going to happen next, which ends up being the real plot of the show. Yeah, but like I, I I'll give it credit that even though it is much more plot driven than like anything else in the series up to this point, I can at least understand where the majority of it is like coming from. Like again, it's just like it, it needs that extra space to like for the characters it's not like giving them the room they need to grow which is funny because this season ends up being all about that yeah (laughs) like it almost kind of works retroactively knowing where this ends up but watching it right now it's like yeah that's that's not as strong as it could have been well and it's literally just like these two episodes like these first two episodes i think are like the rough patch for me like i i would say rough patch in comparison to the rest of the show but i don't really dislike these i mm-hmm. i i like the second one actually quite a bit i wouldn't say yeah i wouldn't say like i i don't like them it's just it's just rough it's like that i can't think of a better word where it's like you just you're it's not as engaging as you want it to be and like i said if it almost feels like they just didn't want to put in the effort to to establish the fake plot before revealing the real plot yeah yeah and i don't know it's 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 weird um but in this episode we also get the first um like this this is a problem i definitely had in the first season i think you generally agree too we're like this is the first episode where we kind of see cora's physical struggles not really giving her the solution to her problems and so she kind of has to move into like a calmer approach like she doesn't get fully in touch with her spiritual side or anything like that but, you know, like, the more she's, like, physically fighting the spirits, it becomes, like, harder for her to activate the Southern Lights. And when she, Cora, like, just calmly, like, engages with it, it opens yeah. up again. Cora tries to punch the spirit portal open. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the whole character at this point. Yeah, you know, no. it's right there. And like, like I said, like, that's fine. Like, it's, it's, that's dumb. <laughs> it's the wrong move. <laughs> Cora made the, the raw. That's not how you're supposed to do it, but I I believe Cora doing that mm-hmm. seems like a very plausible thing. Well, Cora has kind of dumb jock energy. Yeah, it's a little bit of like. Also reminds me of uh, uh, when Ang communicated with Kyoshi's spirit in the final, when like all the other guys were like trying to give him like like basic advice. And Goshi was like, "Yeah, I killed that guy." <laughs> 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 that was like her mm-hmm. only advice. Like, I killed him. It was the right thing to do. I felt good about it (laughs) (laughs) you get some similar energy (laughs) Cora has the uh i'll kick everyone's ass vibe you know i'll kick my own ass (laughs) that's that's pretty accurate actually like tenzin Cora basically ends up sending her father away too yeah and it's like oh of course that's gonna happen because everyone believes unalak for some reason yeah like i said it's just like no one would believe this guy yeah, it's like I just you know, unless like Cora like has some fucked up beliefs deep down. I know, right? Or she's like, like yeah, yeah, you know what? We do need to cleanse the Southern Water Tribe. <laughs> and it's like, hey, Cora, what's that about? That would be a disturbing twist. 
I mean, later like, they start getting into what's what's what I like is that later Korra's like, I'm just trying to remain neutral, and like that ends up being the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, she's she, it's difficult to find that balance, but here it's like you don't know what she believes in any of this. Yeah, yeah. Like if I was, you know, you just need a moment where he's like, if if the uncle's like, I want to purify the Southern Water Tribe. She's like, well, I don't know about that, but the spirits <laughs> are a problem, so let's take care of that. <laughs> you just need like one moment like that, or hell, she can even agree with them. That would be an interesting take. That's a. You have to play that like perfectly, though. Oh no! Yeah, you would have to hit that note. You'd have to stick that fucking landing. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do it, fucking go for it. <laughs> just, just pick something. <laughs> Instead of uh, having Cora just being angry at everyone. Yeah, uh, and meanwhile, at the Southern Air Temple, Tenzin and his family show up there, and uh, Jinora starts getting in touch with like her more like historical interests with like yeah. the airbending nation and the avatars and they visit the statues of all the avatars yeah yeah that's the same place that ang went to right yeah well that was that was cool mm. where it's like that was the fucking where the fucking genocide was committed oh yeah and all the bodies <laughs> were and now it's been restored and everyone's happy yeah that's great but also like i didn't think about that i'm like dude tenzin what the fuck is wrong with you two? <laughs> like you're taking your kids to these places and it's like it's so it he's doing the right thing by trying to show his family like this is like our heritage and stuff like that i like that i just maybe like the body thing just set me off really quickly i don't know (laughs) yeah i i I get it it would you know if you want to teach your kids like look we had a rough time at one point We we the air nomads have had a rough history, but we look look at how things have come back. Like I understand wanting to impart that lesson to your kids. Yeah, and it's like that's where the bodies were stored. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when when Korra opens up the spirit portal, uh, all the the avatar stuff starts lighting up at the the Southern Air Temple, and I guess the implication is that, like in the last Airbender, that started happening at all the other air temples too and like the avatar element temples and that's just kind of a neat thing and it's like oh there's clearly something bigger going on here even though we kind of already saw that coming would have been good if someone could have gotten the word to fucking tenzin it again it's something that's very convenient about like we need to separate these two so they can like get to that point later where we need them to be Here's my head cannon that justifies it. Okay. They all know Tenzin never goes on vacation. So they're <laughs> like, it's like the one time he's gone on vacation in the last decade. Just like, le- like leave him alone. Like, no, no you know what, what happens. No, because when his, uh, when Boomy and Kaya, his siblings go along with him and Korra's like, dude, I mean, Katara's like, dude, just take them. Like, they're oh, your yeah. family. You need this right now. Like, she uh, said that's something, such a guitar thing. I love that. But like, she said something really, really sad. <laughs> she, that he never goes on vacation. <laughs> no, no. She, Katara uh, says, "When you get to be my age, you'll be thankful for the time you had with your siblings." Oh yeah. He's <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. So Sokka's dead. Yeah. No, no. He's dead as a as a doornail. I think is the same. Meanwhile, but like, with, without spoiling things, a lot of other people pop up. 
But Sokka is the one that died. <laughs> well, no, he had to go be with the moon spirit, like you said. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he, but, should have, but... he should have turned into the fucking moon <laughs> and like shown up and just punched someone as the moon. <laughs> Um, that would have been great. But no, I like the moment I was saying that, like, w- like with the siblings, they're like, yeah, like, they're they're still being siblings, you know, and making, like, like they're poking fun. And they're like, yeah, I want to see this vac- vacation Tenzin I hear so much about. <laughs> you know, but it is also, like, they're his family and they are being there for him because they clearly understand the impact that his, like, his job just shifted a little yeah. bit in life, you know? <laughs> it's like, he's no, been no. guiding all these people like he has to guide like the future of the air nation he has to guide the avatar like but he he never learned how to guide himself yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's that's kind of what it's about never learned how to take a vacation (laughs) Uh, although i gotta say i'm not to go back but i was just sitting here thinking Sokka really might have gone with the moon spirit oh 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 oh, oh. because he never had any there's no there's no talk of his kids well, there's the, the fan head canon that one of Toph's kids is his kid, yada, yada. Oh, I did not know that one. Yeah, I think, like, Toph is, it's, it's, it's a complete fan thing. I, there's no basis of it, but I don't, I'm not for or against it. I just know it's out there. Yeah, Toph had two yeah. uh, husbands, right? No, she had two baby daddies. Okay, <laughs> that's all yeah. right. That's that's definitely more in line with Toph. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe Toph ended up not being a great mother? Who could have seen that there. coming? We get there eventually. <laughs> Who well, no, seen that coming no, no. The everyone. fandom, the fandom didn't like the implication that Aang was a bad parent, and it's almost like that's a misreading of the situation, and that it's not that Aang was a bad parent. It's just very hard to raise someone who's the child of a uh, survivor of genocide yeah. and now has those same struggles imparted upon them. And that might have caused a dissonance between their family and relationships. I but feel who like knows? You could, I feel like you could only make that complaint if you're young. Yeah, like if you watch this now mm-hmm. and you're like over the age of 20, I, I need you to like become literate. Well, no, no, like that, I don't that even mean that. Harsh. No, no, no. I, I'll, 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 I just I'll mean if that, you're though. 25 or up and you don't see flaws in your own parent, <laughs> you're not doing life right. <laughs> like that doesn't mean you don't love your parents, but you also need to understand that your parents are human beings too. <laughs> and they, they got a lot of ups and downs. And I feel like that's kind you know, that's just Aang. He's a human being at the end of the day. He's the fucking avatar, yes. Well, there's kind of the Luke Skywalker syndrome with him. And I mean this in the sense that, like, I love both characters. Luke Skywalker is still my favorite Star Wars character to this day. But it's also, like, the reason their narratives, like, worked so well originally is that they were human beings with, like, a mythical struggle imparted upon them. Yeah. That's not going to be great for someone's life even if they handle it like to the best of their abilities you know like yeah well imagine just being on that quest for so long and then it's like all right now i'm gonna stop and have a family (laughs) (laughs) like that's gonna be a rough gear shift Mm -hmm. and uh you know ang did his best and i think his kids turned out all right (laughs) 
Like, it's not like they're all, like, degenerates. Yeah, I mean, they're not, like, fucked up assholes. Yeah. It's just that, you know, it's it was hard. It, it was, was like, hey, look, a bit. our dad was excited to have the first airbender in his life since, you know, a hundred years ago. <laughs> and so he picked a favorite and was not shy about it. <laughs> And that's, yeah, it's not, you know, that's, that's rough, but it's just, that's a, that's a fairly human thing to do. Yeah. Like not, not to psychoanalyze people with how they like, like uh, approach art, I guess. But like, I feel like some of the criticisms about that specifically really bug me because it's like, at some point you're not talking about the show, I think. Yeah, if that makes sense, or it's like no, 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 Ang Ang wouldn't have done that, and it's like Ang's not real. Also, yeah. Well, (laughs) I I I made that point the other day because fucking um fucking Ryan Johnson like tweeted something about why he had Yoda show up at the end instead of Anakin Skywalker, Mm -hmm. and so of course fucking Star Star Wars Twitter had a conniption, which like even though I have every Star Wars word muted. I, I'm still getting Star Wars things <laughs> on my Twitter feed. And it's just like everyone's like trying to like say like, sir, I knew Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars. You are not Star Wars. Like that's what every complaint sounds like. Yeah. It's like you treat Star Wars like he's an old buddy of yours that like you served in like combat with. Like, <laughs> and it's like, no. I don't know. I, I, you know, and like I said, I think if, if you're young and you're, you're like, get that complaint, like, I, I, I can't get that upset. Cause that's like a teenage thing to think, you know, whatever. It's just like, like I said, if you're over 25 and that's a complaint, that's a little uh, concerning. Mm-hmm. And you know what, to, to the credit of, of, I think everyone who's watched the show this year and talked to me about it because I made it very public in my personal and intimate life that I'm a fan of this series. I have not heard the same negative complaints that I did before. Okay. I, I have heard a much more positive reaction. Maybe so I a, think it might have just been us being young idiots. Yeah. And I mean, well, there's like, like I said, if you type Cora in like the um, YouTube, the top three videos are like, why Legend of Cora sucks, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a whole other thing, too. And that's, that's infuriating. And they all have like a million views, too. Yeah. And, but I, I don't think they're the dominant opinions like they used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it was just a lot of people revisiting it on Netflix too. Like, like I said, if this really was built for streaming, sit down, you watch the whole thing in like two weeks, you're probably going to enjoy it. You know what else I enjoy? Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Ken Burns Civil War? Yes. It's a good documentary. From what I remember, I haven't seen it in like eight years. Um, it's very uh well, not all southerners were fighting for slavery. Oh no. Yeah, Could it's I... it's uh it's weird. It has not aged super well. Oh okay. Um, I mean it's you know, it's it's very like romantic about the Civil War. And it's like the Civil War is like the dumbest thing that ever happened in American history, <laughs> and that's saying a lot. Yeah. Like, 
it's just I think I, I make this point anytime the Civil War comes up. But like I said, we went to war. The South went to war over a guy who's like, I'm just going to stop slavery from spreading. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that was his platform. And like, I get it. So once that happens, you start letting new states into the union. They're free states that tips the balance in the Senate. Right. Like I get mm-hmm. that. That's a problem. But all right, you lost that battle or you could maybe fight it through legislation. I don't know. All right, maybe start switching your economy a little bit so it doesn't, it's not 100% dependent on slavery. <laughs> you know, like, for, like, even if you're ignoring the moral thing, which you shouldn't, but how are you going to talk to these people about morals? <laughs> it's like, you take these next few years to, you know, switch your economy to something that's not dependent on slavery. You could totally do it. You're not going to make as much money, but it'll be smooth. Instead, they go to war and have like all their cities burned down <laughs> and then they lose all their slaves. Which is thankfully what uh, these episodes are not about. Civil Wars part one and two. Yes. Although, um, you know, the big cliffhanger from the Southern Lights, when they return to the, 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 fucking the Southern Confederacy Water Tribe. is just so stupid. And they I return those other water tribes. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I do That's not fine. understand how people can like glorify the Confederacy. It's just they were morons. It there's no nobility in it. Like there's no, like it's one. It's one thing where it's like like slavery just puts like a black mark on everything where it's like, yeah, that's like inherently evil. But like I said, like I said, where how Donald Trump's inherent racism overshadows how he's a bad businessman. The inherent racism of the Confederacy overshadows how the Confederacy was stupid. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just bothered that, the that flag get... is their heritage, yeah. even though it, it, it basically just means you're, the worst human being alive well notice how all those flags disappeared and got replaced with pro-police flags yeah hmm. i wonder what that's about so ken burns civil war no um starts at the northern water tribe oh no <laughs> starts at the southern water tribe well Get the last together. episode ends with there's a bunch of northern water tribe warships and then Cora's like what's that about and then you're like hey cora <laughs> just want to pull Cora aside and just be like hey maybe the guy who's transparently evil is up to something (laughs) and she's like oh don't worry I'll figure it out in two more episodes yeah that it ends that episode ends on a very strong note where Cora clearly is like um did I do something wrong yeah and then the next episode she's like oh no 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 well you know he's just trying to help everyone yeah it's like what the fuck like again that's why you need like we like is this like normal like that's what i don't understand where it's like we don't understand the the water tribe politics because hey maybe this is something that just happens occasionally yeah and then eventually when they start talking about it you get the understanding that oh no this is like an occupation and it is not normal but you have to catch up with that, which is oh, the you problem. mean the thing that looks like an occupation is an occupation? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just don't. It, it took some leaps. Mm-hmm. I almost no, the, the part that breaks it for me, at least, is that when Unalak is like, "Well, you know, they're here to protect the southern portal," 
And this will also deepen our connection with the tribes and the spirits. And it's just like, that's what? (laughs) Well, he explicitly tells Korra, like, I'm trying to bring the tribes together and like unite them under one. With a military force. And Korra's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And like, wait, what? And but also like I'm I'm confused where it's like I th- I think the Southern Water Tribe is like supposed to be subservient to the Northern Water Tribe like they don't have autonomy you know <laughs> but I don't know how much that is. <laughs> uh, spoilers for the finale, I guess that is the case. Yeah, um, but again, you're right. We don't been... know that at this point. <laughs> yeah, we should have known that now. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I, I was just, I, it throws the whole thing off, which again, so yeah. like, you know, then it's something where it's like, all right, so it's not an uh, occupying force, you know, it's just, it's like if we just put a bunch of police on the street, which that's never been a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's an interesting like development. And I think just another fascinating like conflict that Cora would have to go through this season. But we have to play so much catch up on all that history. Yeah. And we I still don't fully understand it when I first watched it. Like at the by the end of this episode, I was like, okay, I, I understand what's happening as it's happening, but I I need to understand the dynamics of yeah. that conflict prior to this episode, and you just don't get it. Well, it's like we don't understand what's going on, and yet it somehow feels like Cora understands less of what's going on. <laughs> And she lives in that world. Well, here, I think, is what makes this work for Cora's character. Mm. She's been with Mako for like six months at this point, right? Which is like too much. Yeah, it's, that's, it's... Um, that's got to take a toll just on your like, your brain's capacity. Yeah, your mental faculties. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just... Exactly. It, it's, her brain's just been numb by just being around Mako. He got mockoed. He got mockoed. <laughs> what if Mank was in this? Mank, Mank and Mako. <laughs> Mank and Mako. Oh, I'd watch that. Is anyone gonna care about Mank and whenever this fucking drops? Probably not. And I never thought I'd say that about a Fincher song. Yeah, it was weird. I like kind of watched it, and I was like, I went into it like kind of w- ready to hate it, and then I walked out. I was like, ah, uh, this one. You know what? film twitter is gonna love it but i just think it's okay and then it turns out i gave one of the more positive responses yeah i i don't love it i don't hate it i went in basically ready to love it even though Mm -hmm. all that bullshit right like whatever fincher just i'll ignore him because he's he's not as smart as his directing skills i guess Mm -hmm. um but he's just such a talented craftsman that i'm like oh of course it's gonna be great I saw it and I was like, well, there's some great stuff in it <laughs> once yeah. in a while. Yeah, Bill Nye the Science Guy's in it. I know. Why is that <laughs> not like the the like the head of the conversation? I know. About Mank. Oh Mank. Yeah. <laughs> Civil Mank. Just this this whole show feels like they were just manking it up as they went along. <laughs> well, these first episodes is it, kind of like they're tossing these conflicts at Cora to see like maybe what sticks a little bit but mm-hmm. also like who is she as the avatar now yeah you know like here's her relate you have her 
relationship to the spirits that she needs to build, her relationship to her tribe that she needs to build, and her relationship to everything that connects the world around her. Well, I guess that's another that's misstep. <laughs> I guess it's another misstep that we don't really feel like what's her place after the events of season one, right? Mm-hmm. Like season one, she's a very controversial figure. People are like, are you, she's like, there's nothing, bending's awesome. And then like she gets the shit kicked out of her by non-benders. <laughs> and then she's like, oh wait, no, the non-benders maybe have a point because Cora only understands violence. And... <laughs> She starts, you know, she protests with them. And then, like, she turns into this figure where, like, she can restore people's bending. Like, that's the big thing at the end of that. Implying that she then went around and restored bending to, like, everyone who had lost it in, uh, in Amon's fucking shit. Uh, so, like, what that would make her, like, a pretty important figure, you know? Mm-hmm. And when Republic City would probably be like, yay, she's the one that restored the bending. And also gave us democracy, maybe? That was like a thing she just maybe threw out at the end. And she's like, I think people should vote. And you're like, that's actually a great idea. (laughs) And no one resisted to it, (laughs) apparently. No, see, what she really should have done was once the occupation started, Cora should have gone around the the South Pole and been like, just vote. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know what? That would have been amazing. I mean, but you know what? I'm making a joke, but that is kind of Cora's like whole thing. This episode is like, no, no, no. We we all just need to work together with the oppressors. Yeah, no, she, she <laughs> you're right. Where it's like she's trying to be like, well, now she thinks like I'm the avatar. I'm not supposed to have an opinion on things. Mm, it's like, oh, Cora. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hey, Cora. <laughs> okay, Joe Biden. Well, this season is all about making Cora a radical leftist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But, like, um, I, I do think it is kind of a way of, like, reapproaching the, like, the dynamic of the first season where she, like, has to figure out her place, like, in Republic City as the Avatar, right? This uh-huh. is kind of, like, the grander scale of it. But it's got to throw so much at you that it just does get a little lost in the weeds for a second here, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, like... You, you, you can't take that like an apolitical approach to a clearly political problem. Yeah. That's a good lesson for her to learn, though. Yeah, um, no, no, no. I mean, again, I like everything this season is like imparting on the characters. I just don't always like how it got there. Yeah. It, again, it feels like they're trying to hit a target. Mm-hmm. Hey, what time are you at with recording? One thirty-one. Okay, and some seconds. Make, just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I thought like my recording had fucked up. Um, no, 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 we're good. Yeah. Uh, Cora tries to be apolitical during a, a military occupation, um, which always works out well. Yeah, but as also we've this year, Tenzin has sibling shenanigans going on on the other side of the fucking planet. Yeah, all of this. Actually, stuff no, is, not is... on the other side of the planet. He's like fucking ten miles away. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we never get a full like mileage map for the Avatar world, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's clearly not that far because where he's at right now is the third episode of the original series. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, no, you can look it up on a map where it is in relation to the Southern uh, Water Tribes, and it's like right there, right? Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> oh, okay. And well. you can follow. Uh, I just know it because of uh, 
Zuko's map where he's like, this avatar must be a tactical genius. And then it's like, oh, we're lost. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Yeah. And this is what this is when we, we kind of had already we already had the discussion about Aang and his kids, but that, that's where a lot of this happens in this episode. Yeah. Uh, why and, that comes out. Yeah, I, I like all that stuff a lot. And um, man, it must have been rough for Boomy. As a non-bender? Yeah, like the first child and he's a non-bender. Mm-hmm. Like that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that completely, to me anyways, like completely explains why he went to join like the Republic United Forces or whatever yeah. they're called. Because it's like, well, I have to prove that I can not only take care of myself, but like, you know, he's got to prove something to himself and to his family that like he can keep up with the benders, you know? Yeah. And it's like, maybe that's not the best way to go about it, but I understand the reasoning for it. And that, that, that makes him a pretty compelling character. All these characters are so compelling with like five minutes of introduction before yeah. this. <laughs> like, you see the whole history with them. And then, you know, they, they do like eventually like specifically say the traits you need to know about the characters, but you understand the dynamics even before that. And then like Kaya... With her whole thing and being like oh i had to go back home and help mom and then they're like oh but you know all, after all that time and you were traveling the world to find yourself and it's just like all these different personalities from this one family what a nightmare household yeah i mean obviously they're a family and they love each other but jesus katara was probably a good mom though based on everything that happened oh no totally yeah but i just mean like Jesus. You think Katara ever disguised herself as a spirit to like teach her kids a lesson? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I didn't think about that for a second until you said it, but there's not a doubt in my mind that happened. Well, cause she, she's the uh, she's the painted lady yeah. as far as anyone else knows. Yeah, you know what? They never proved it wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she got that town to fucking try to blow up the plant, but no. Yeah, oh yeah. Their, their mom, the eco-terrorist. Yeah. So fucking awesome. That's great. That would be a great mom to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I like all the sibling stuff a lot. And then you really see the impact that, uh, like, you know, the struggles that Aang had imparted upon Tenzin, and that caused, like, the shift with his siblings. You see that start to get imparted upon Tenzin's kids, too. Yeah, yeah, because now they're having their problems. Yeah. But it's, it's just like little things, but it's also kind of like that thing where it's like, yeah, these are little things now, but, you know, they start snowballing at a certain point, and then you're going to end up in your sibling roles. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to determine the next 20 years of your life. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have siblings, so I have no problems in my personal life whatsoever. Yep, that's how that works. But no, I, I really like all that stuff a lot. It's very, it's very sweet and sad and just... Uh, Sincere, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that feels the most sincere at the beginning of the season. Speaking also, of sincere, got... <laughs> uh, Varric holds a terrorist meeting at Cora's parents' house. <laughs> All that wacky Varric. Now this feels weird. Do you remember when it was like uh, everyone was saying Obama was a terrorist? Like the, the Republicans, you mean? Yeah, because he was he knew uh, Bill Ayers, who's like the founder of the Weathermen, who like blew up government buildings in the 70s. And like that was like the Sarah Palin thing where it's like, Obama got his career started in Bill Ayers' living room. 
I don't I don't remember that specifically, but why do I know these things? I don't know. Why do I know things from this era that like don't matter? I thought you were gonna tie it into the show. Well, no, because they, they they're holding a terrorist meeting at Chorus House. <laughs> and and spoilers, but her parents aren't involved, but they still get implicated. Could have been a great moment where it's like, oh, see how this stuff escalates, where it's like all right, I get it. You got to arrest the guys who tried to kidnap and assassinate your leader. Like that's, that makes sense. But then just because they were at the house that now the people's house who own the house have to go to prison. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, that's how that shit escalates. Like how we executed that woman um, just because the Lincoln conspirators stayed at her boarding house. Mm. Oh, there's still a lot of debate about that one. <laughs> how much that woman knew. Um, I'll put an probably, asterisk in that. He probably didn't know what was going to happen, but they still executed her. And I think she's the first woman executed by the United States. Jesus. So we got great history. What a country. Southern Water Tribe, what a country. What if Yakov Smirnoff was on no. this show? <laughs> it's Southern Water Tribe, Spirit Bend You. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> no, that's, that's a soccer line. <laughs> Is Yakov Smirnov still alive? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to Google him. He's either going to be dead or like he endorsed like fucking the UK Independence Party or something. <laughs> like, like he's going to be some radical something. <laughs> well, if he's from the UK, then there's like a 90%. No, he's not even he's from a- the UK. He just, he just supports the UK. <laughs> It was like when remember when Gallagher, the fucking watermelon guy, like came out as like insanely conservative. No, and it was like you're fucking Gallagher. <laughs> you didn't have to say anything. You smashed things with a watermelon, <laughs> and then he tried to like advertise like, oh, I'm going to perform for Spanish speaking audiences, but then he like didn't bother to learn Spanish. Wow, that was like a thing that happened. And then I think he got into an argument with Mark Maron on this podcast and walked out. <laughs> that was like one of the early things that like made Mark Maron. <laughs> I think I was like, you got to listen to this. Gallagher melts down. <laughs> Bolin's having trouble with his girlfriend, Eska. And Mark oh, yeah. gives him terrible advice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, none of it works. And they're going to get married now. I think, I think Bolin doesn't want to admit that he's into it. Because then it would mean committing to something. And yeah. that's scary to people sometimes. Yeah, I just, I, but I think like no one would stick around for that <laughs> unless they were into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it is that there's clearly something going on with those brothers where they're scared to like make decisions. They're scared to make decisions and they, they don't understand women. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the big one. <laughs> And yeah, now Bolin's gonna get married. Yeah, yeah, that that goes well. <laughs> yeah. Um, children throwing snowballs causes a fucking almost causes a street riot, which is totally oh, yeah, that's great. The Northern Water Tribe's fault. That's how the fucking Boston Massacre started. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh no, yeah, the, the kids were throwing snowballs at the fucking troops, and uh, the so, Water Tribe Massacre. Yeah. Man, that wouldn't be good. No, it wouldn't. Uh, There's children there. Yeah. Um, I believe a child was killed at the Boston Massacre. Oh, my God. Anyway. 
you can just go and like if you go to Boston, you could just go stand where that happened. That's wild. Did you ever go to Dealey Plaza? They have an X on the road where Kennedy was shot. No. <laughs> anyway, that's on my bucket list. No. Uh, but Cora comes upon this conflict and is like, I'm not taking any sides. It's like, then why aren't you there? Yeah. And then a, a girl calls her the worst avatar ever. Which is apparently a sound bite that the fandom did use for a bit. And it's like, mm. go away. Oh. Go well, outside. You try being the avatar, punk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Cora well, should have said. And then <laughs> fucking just thrown a snowball at that kid. She like water bends on the way. I feel like there's there's that other <laughs> waterbender that was the avatar did a worse job. Oh, the dude who said he was a go with the flow type of avatar. Yeah, and then his lover's face was stolen. Yeah, and then he died at like twenty. <laughs> he did a worse job. Yeah, well, like the, the difference is that Cora's struggles are supposed to be like like failures for a yeah. while. You know, she's she's trying to understand everything without having like like a, a proper mentor. You know, like she had Tenzin at first, and even then it was like it was intentional that there were problems like in his own upbringing that kind of caused conflict between him and Cora too. Yeah. And how that relates to like how they experience the outside world and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's all, it's also clearly intentional here. Like, I don't know how anyone ever thought that, but whatever, whatever. Oh, uh, and we also find out that cause we're just going to hop around between civil wars. Cause it's just kind of all kind one, of episode. one big episode. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Cora's father, Tan Rock, is sentenced to life in prison after conspiring you know to assassinate Unalak, which is well, obviously like, for, not what happened. More importantly, like there's like a whole thing where like she's like having conflicts with everyone. She doesn't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. She stops an assassination attempt against her uncle. Like, well, it's more like kidnapping, but whatever. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was implied. Yeah. Uh, and then and she thinks her father's involved and then realizes that he isn't and then goes to him and is like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like they both apologize to each other, which I really liked. I like that they're both like, look, we're, we both kind of fucked up in the last few days. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice moment. And that's when the police show up and like, we're here to arrest you for conspiring with the terrorists. I don't think they say that. But that's but, that's the that is what's happening. Yeah. yeah. George Bush shows up. He's like, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> what if Bush just started doing cameos and things? Don't, don't put that out there. Started a cameo account. No. <laughs> no. Get him, pay him enough money, he'll confess the war crimes. <laughs> Dick Cheney is still alive. That will always upset me. Yeah, you forget about that one sometimes, though, huh? Yeah. Right? Just, like, it, he's just out there somewhere. He's like changing his plot in somewhere. <laughs> it's not even like the potential of plotting, honestly. It's just that he exists still in this plane of reality. Did you see Vice? I still haven't seen Vice. It's, I, I thought it was all right. People seem to hate it, though. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I uh, remember you being like the one person on my timeline who was like, no, 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 this is good. Yeah, it was solid. I just didn't understand you could hate it. Like, I thought it was like, I could understand not liking it. I just didn't understand hating it. Just Um, where I was, like, politically so angry at everything mm -hmm. all the time, I was like, I don't need to sit through this right now. Yeah, but to me, it's like, it's a movie. I guess I I understand what people like, because it's a movie that's like, fuck you, why would you want to watch a movie about Dick Cheney? (laughs) 
Like that's kind of the vibe that Vice had, where it's like we sh- this guy doesn't deserve to have a biopic about him, but you fucking people want it. <laughs> so here it is, <laughs> and that's what I really appreciated about it. <laughs> so cynical. Yeah, hey, it's I I think that's the right attitude to have. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to make one of those biopics, I guess, yeah. But when they did uh, Dick Cheney in the when he was part of the like Nixon administration, looked exactly like a friend of my father. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like upsetting. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, everyone's on trial. The trial of the Chicago <laughs> 7 by fucking no, nope, nope, Aaron Sorkin. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> We're not, we're not bringing his energy. Where Abby Hoffman and, says he thinks things have gone a little too far. Apparently, he's supposed to be sarcastic in that scene. I haven't seen it, but every fucking one and their mother who did see the movie was like, actually, he's, he's being sarcastic in that scene. So, no one watched that movie. I, I don't believe anyone ever has. No one in the planet has finished Molly's Game. I finished it. I, I think regret it. I should have stopped no, it like 20 minutes to go. You're lying to me. No one has finished Molly's Game. <laughs> How could I forget that great scene? How could I forget that great scene where Kevin Costner shows up and says, You did all this because you don't like me, your father? What a great scene. Almost like Aaron Sorkin has a problem writing women. Aaron Sorkin's got a lot of problems. Oh, no, clearly. (laughs) But like many things we've discussed, it stems from people having a problem with women. I would love to see Aaron Sorkin try to write an episode of this show, though. No. I want to see what that is. A nightmare. Well, yeah. If it is though, then the next episode you start with Cora waking up, and then she's like, "Oh, that was a wild dream. That was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, <laughs> including the time the terrorists took away my bending. Yeah, exactly. And nearly killed my my boy toy. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what she should have been with with Mako. She should have been like. Rocco, I don't really like you, but you're you're an attractive guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just I'm in the city. I'm gonna have fun for a few weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have bought I would have bought that relationship. I don't know. I mean, not not to make a whole thing about that too, but like because because we have talked about that extensively already. But I, I'm coming to appreciate things like characters like that and relationships like that that are so clearly like not gonna work out yeah. whether the writers <laughs> intend it to or otherwise because mm-hmm. like if you're gonna do a series that's gonna cover a long period of time of for like a character's life or whatever I'm more than fine with them having like a relationship with someone for like a season and a half or something like that right like yeah to me that's totally fine I don't need everything to be the most important thing that's ever happened to these people yeah you know like no, I, 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 I think agree. that fills out the world a lot better like i know you don't watch this show but that is something i always liked about buffy's relationships hey where it's like every once in a while it would be like oh like there is a there is like a genuine like love connection here but then you've been tweeting a lot about buffy lately I don't know why. It's just really and, sat with me, and I know I shouldn't right now. But you're like, we all agree that Buffy's four season is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, we don't. I don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> it's like, I didn't vote that. I voted third party. <laughs> but the, the point I just wanted to make was that um, 
that that show allowed that character to go through like a lot of relationships and not all of them were like healthy for her and that was like kind of the point sometimes you know like it's okay for people to fuck up and that's kind of what the season of Korra is about too yeah definitely that might be what every season of Korra is about (laughs) Yeah, but like this one specifically. Yeah. <laughs> this one is like front loaded with that. God bless her. She's trying her best. Oh yeah. Yeah. The just she's the best avatar. Fuck everyone. I love this is nothing against Aang, but I just want to talk down to the haters. To be honest, she goes through a lot. Like Aang like did a lot, uh, to be fair. But like Core kind of like faced like four Fire Lords in like four <laughs> years. <laughs> like that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think three of them are in the same year. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. God damn, Korra never got a break. We also find out that not only did Unalak stage the trial that would sentence her father to life in prison, uh, he was also responsible for banishing him from the, south- or from the Northern they, Water Tribe. Do they ever explain exactly what that means? I don't, I don't think so. That was where I was like, so... Were the spirit attacks fake, or was did the did he flood the forest? I I think, I, my understanding is we'll, we'll see was, when I rewatch the rest of the episodes. Was that he was the one who made the decision to ban him from the okay. northern water tribe? Was the dad like I'm going to give him a pass? And then his son was like, actually, I heard him talking shit about you. And he's like, what? You're banished. Yeah. <laughs> what a, that that dad. Oh, that guy's worse does the worst job than Cora does by like a mile. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> bad job. Um, but I like that Cora gets his information by threatening to put the judge's head oh, no. in <laughs> her dog's that, mouth. That's the best one. It's like like Cora, now look, don't do anything rash because it could start a civil war. And she's like, got it. And then in the next <laughs> scene, she's like, she attacks a judge. <laughs> like Rex's car in a way where like he could have died. Like she doesn't give a shit. And she's like, I'm gonna feed you to my fucking polar bear dog unless you tell me what I want to know. And we don't know. They cut away. She might have still fed that guy to the fucking polar bear dog. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll never see him again. Just to be like, fuck it. No loose ends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, oh, and, and Varric goes uh, into hiding in a, like, uh, uh, what is that? A, a platypus bear? A platypus bear? bear, I think is what they say. Yeah. Um, and he he hides inside of it with his assistant Julie, who we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, Julie. Um, she's there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. She's, she's kind of like a running gag. Just yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's a joke that she's like literally everywhere with Varric, and mm-hmm. I, I could see that being like kind of kind of lame for some people, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this woman's just in a subservient role. But I, I think that this, the series kind of eventually expands upon that in like a, a really interesting way. But yeah. Um, oh, also I, they free Tonrock. Oh yeah, they break him out, and then she's like, "Hey, Dad, I I did the thing you told me not to do, and now there's a civil war." <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, "I told you not to, but all right." <laughs> But I mean, like, it's the kind of situation that was going to happen. That's why he's a good dad. Because, like, his dad was like, you're banished because I I say so. And meanwhile, he's like, all right, you started a civil war. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) All been there. 
<laughs> but I mean, like, it, it's, again, this is part of the problem that it's not really established that well in these beginning episodes. But once you kind of get into, like, the rhythms of the story and they start explaining everything properly. Once you um, know what the fuck's going on, it starts to make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this has kind of been, like, a boiling point, And Unalox is kind of taking advantage of it, like, whether it was Korra or someone else throwing another snowball, like, this situation was going to blow up eventually, you know? Like, there are elements out of Korra's, like, control and literal understanding, but, like, it's, I don't know, it, once, once you see the full picture, it's like, oh, I see what you were trying to say a lot, and then finally did <laughs> show. <laughs> um, oh, and then uh, Bolin escaped from his uh, forced marriage to Eska, and she hunts them down like a spirit race. Yeah. Which is just like, it's like a weird comedy end to this episode, but hey. Yeah, well, <laughs> it gets even weirder because Bolin's like, how fast is this yacht that we've got goes, Varric? And he's like, oh, pretty fast. He's like, enough to, to like outrun a, an ex-girlfriend? He's like, what do you think I built this for? <laughs> Well, he also he says earlier something where like and when everyone's giving him terrible advice about how to deal with his relationship, he's like, "Look, kid, you just gotta run. Like, <laughs> you just gotta lie and run." Like that was his advice. Yeah, yeah, that is a weird ending to something called Civil War. Yeah, they should have played the Benny Hill music. <laughs> that would have made more sense. Yeah, no, you know, it's a lot more like a Three Stooges ending. <laughs> We're like they run or always running away from the cops at the end. Uh, so yeah, then Cora uh, promises to, to get the United Republic's support so they can uh, free the Southern uh, Water Tribe. Because like, if there's one strength Cora definitely has, it's navigating the intricate world of politics. Meanwhile, at the Southern Air Temple, um, because Icky has gone missing, and um, Tenzin finds her and they, they're playing with a, a little little herd of air bison, which is yeah. really cute. Air bison babies might be the cutest thing ever invented by human artists. <laughs> All right. I they're they're so what about porgs? Adorable. When are porgs coming back? Porgs, porgs are great. I, I wish there was a Star Wars movie just about porgs. Chewbacca had a buddy porg that they, they just got rid of. In I know. Like, Rise naturally, you put them on the ship, right? You yeah. keep them on the, the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. You take them off the ship, you got to blow up the Falcon. They didn't do either. That's why The Rise of Skywalker is the worst movie ever made. Good point. Thank you. Episode um, five, Vampire Strikes Back. No. Um. no it's, called, it's called Peacekeepers. And uh, there's there's even like tensions between the, the they, water they tribe meet, civilians. They meet with Mace Window, and he says, "We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers." And you're like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That line makes more sense in hindsight too. Everything about the prequels makes more sense in hindsight. It doesn't mean it all works 100. percent Everything in the prequels it. makes more sense after you watch all three movies, read the three novelizations <laughs> watch all of the clone wars <laughs> and then like go through Wiki- wikipedia a few times and then it's like okay i get what he was going for actually you know what this is kind of a phantom menace episode actually 
Uh, there's a little bit of a Phantom Menace thing happening. Yeah, because, you know, Phantom Menace, even though I would argue this is both a weakness and a strength in, it, in its intent in that film, like where it's like, oh, we got to go to Coruscant to get help for, for Naboo. And then they go there and they're like, oh, we can't because of politics. And it's just like, well, we got to go back and save everyone. And it's like, there's, there's an idea there, mm-hmm. but the pacing in that movie is really weird. In Chapter 5, Peacekeepers of Blessing of Korra, it's like, we got to go there to get yeah. help. I, I suddenly just like flashback to Phantom Menace. That is a weird stretch of that film. It, it needs to like condense the first half hour. It's and then odd. I think it, it, it works a little better. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Again, hindsight and shit. But yeah, here yeah. it's like Korra's got to like get support for the, the the Southern Water Tribe. And meanwhile, there's like a terrorist attack. And she's uh, like, I'm going to march with the peaceful protesters. And then. Um, What's her name? Lynn Beifong is like, all right, we're just going to send cops to monitor it. And then there's a terrorist attack. Yeah, what attack the fuck, the- Lynn? <laughs> yeah, I, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how the police work in this world. They Maybe the origins maybe aren't as fucked up as our world. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked about that in book one. That's that's why I'm more lenient here for it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, so, but- like I said, like I came to this conclusion where it's like, if I'm going to complain about this, I have to complain. Like, I, I complain about 90% of media <laughs> from that era. I yeah. Mean, and it's, it's not that the criticisms are unjustified. It's just that this is the fantasy world where mm-hmm. I think we have to, if we're going to criticize that because of how it relates to our reality, we have to see how it relates to their reality mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, so I just think that it's like <laughs> core is the bad hill to have this argument on. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's maybe a good place to go like, hey, look how normalized police are and that they pop up on our children's shows. But I think there's, you know, maybe we should start with The Wire or Law and Order, <laughs> a show called Law and Order. Which is Unlike on she and the Princesses of Power, which has no police. Yeah. And as a horse that wants to overthrow unjust systems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bombing, and that's actually a pretty intense moment on this show because mm-hmm. um, you just get the reaction on Cora, and she's that's that's where you kind of like that moment kind of helps explain why she's kind of like going to the president and being like all Jack Bauer and being like Mr. President, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, just like yeah, her cultural center was just blown up, and her her, her tribe's been invaded. Like, of course, she's not taking this very well. And so I get why she didn't handle, but maybe someone should have had that conversation and been like, let's send someone else to talk to the president. <laughs> like Katara. Yeah. <laughs> like that probably would have been a good one, but I understand everyone's head's kind of in a weird place after starting a civil war. So, you know, I'm not expecting like, does Katara even know there's a civil war happening? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I assume so because she lives down there. But yeah, but like, maybe she's, she's not very, in the heart of the South Pole. Which is very out of touch with things. Well, you know, she's a little old lady. You can't expect her to lead a rebellion yeah, at I that guess. point, you know? I'm not asking her to lead it. I'm just asking her to maybe weigh in on it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, she does pop up in, in the remainder of the season. So she's, yeah. not, she's not out of the game. All right. President <laughs> doesn't go well. President meeting doesn't go well. No, it fails. doesn't think the Miserably. Republic should get involved. And Cora is very angry about this. 
Um, Cora and Mako have another fight. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, not just all that. Um, they have a fight because Cora's like, okay, well, the president didn't work. I gotta go talk to my buddy General Iroh. We just saved the city together. Yeah. And General, she talks General Iroh to like yeah, commit it, uh, treason. Yeah, and almost committing like a war crime. Yeah, like she's yeah, like, let's the, do the Gulf of Tonkin. Let's recreate the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Yeah, we we joke about war crimes on this series a lot, but like that's like straight up like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, he's like, oh, like, hey, go deliberately escalate this conflict. And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, then I just flash back to, well, my grandfather would have um, understood the Avatar's advice or whatever. And it's <laughs> like, oh, there might be a trend in Fire Nation men. Yeah. Is all I'm gonna say right now. Well, well Zuko was probably the Iroh was like, he probably went to him and was like, "Look, I didn't trust the Avatar. The biggest lesson I learned is that you should always trust the Avatar and their advice." So when Korra shows up, he's like, "All right, I'm fulfilling my grandfather's wishes." <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But no, it doesn't work either because Mako informs uh, Lin and the uh, the president Raiko about mm. that. And she's like, yeah, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, well, you know, I just didn't want to make another decision. So I made it for you. Yeah. He didn't want to weigh in on another decision. I mean, like, he sucks. Yeah, he sucks that there's a fight and she almost, she should have killed him right there. But, you know, <laughs> I get it. It's a kid's show. Well, she she drop kicks a table, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Flips over a table with her leg. Which is just an image that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would that. that would be upsetting to be there in that moment. Like even if I'm just like there as like another guy in the police off police building, it's like ah, that wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they they break up, and then Lynn tells Mako like, "You should have seen Air Temple Island after Tenzin broke up with me." Yeah, a lot of weird comedy beats this yeah. season. <laughs> I think because they know where this season's going and it's like, we got to get the comedy out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) But like, again, this is something where it's like, okay, fiction, fictional police, fictional police. Because in reality, the police being like, oh, you should have seen me when I did public damage is very odd. Well, you could have put all the comedy on Bolin, but then like that, you run into the problem of like, you could turn Bolin into like the Jar Jar of the series. (laughs) Where it's like everyone's everyone around him is like really straight faced and dealing with serious shit, and then Bolin's like, "I'm in a movie." Oh like, yeah, uh, propaganda films. Yeah, very good propaganda films, and then he encourages Asami to take part in war profiteering. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Well, my company needs money." Yeah, so things are going great. <laughs> uh, but I actually really like. The, the movers, the whole history with the movers in this, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, I, I'm a, I might be a genius, so I gotta like, I, I can invent like new artistic mediums, but at the end of the day, I'm also a capitalist, so I have to like be financially successful in some capacity with it. Is it the same? This is the same lesson Mank was trying to teach us. No, <laughs> Varric is Mank. Oh my god. Right. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, who's William Randolph Hearst? 
Charles Dance? <laughs> oh, you mean in the show? Um, My favorite Legend of Korra character, Charles Dance. <laughs> oh, he would have been terrific in this series. He could have been a good villain. You know what? He could have played fucking Uncle Whatever. Like, because he has like a, like, you know, that thing where he's like, he's very stoic. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah, I'd fu- I'd listen to that guy. And then it's like, oh, he's got a fucked up side. Don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like that to see look- him not play a villain at some point now. That look he gives Mank at the end of that fucking movie. Like, I would have I would have just killed myself in that room. <laughs> like, if I if that if Charles Dance was staring at me like that, like I would just throw myself into that fireplace. No, you know what really turned me against the final season of Game of Thrones? Because I honestly think there's like at least two seasons that are just as bad, if not worse. But Mm -hmm. like hearing Charles Dance say that I thought it would end better. If I was the creators, (laughs) if I was the showrunners and creators of that show, I would have to rethink my entire life. Yeah, I would have redone the whole season just from that. Yeah, hearing him say that, just like... That that would like break me as a human being, because <laughs> apparently he still watched it after all that. So that That's was a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he got out when the going was good at least. Yeah. So, um, just like he did in Alien Three. Well, that movie is just a, a perfect film. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> after after Mank, no one's allowed to talk bad about Alien Three. But anyways, um. Oh, I still, then, uh, I still dislike Fight Club more than Mank. I mean, really, I I like mother, Fight Club. Mother I'm not fuck like Fight in Club love with it though. Mother fuck Fight Club. Jesus Christ, fuck that movie. Everyone's always like, "Oh, is this movie like? Is it bad? Is what it's saying bad? Whose side is it on? Is it?" Uh, and no one talks about how it's fucking boring. <laughs> I, I'll always have a soft spot for it because I saw it when I was like early enough at that age where it was like, "Oh, this is something that feels like." chaotic and rebellious i I saw that in high school it was the right age i fucking never liked that shit wow that that's a genuine shock yeah Uh, you know what it was though i still like it part of it was definitely that i spent like a year watching movies and i would like talk to people about them and any movie i brought up someone would go like well if you like that you know what you'd like fight club (laughs) it was like any fucking movie and so then I watch Fight Club and I'm like, every movie that someone said that is better. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I like I like Mank less than Fight Club, but Fight Club is also like my least favorite venture before Mank. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to go too hard to defend it or anything. Mank it up. Mank it up. Cora uh, gets manked at the end of this episode. <laughs> when one of the, the spirits Orson Welles comes her. in and takes credit. <laughs> <laughs> Orson Welles shows up is like Cora I'm gonna have to share a screenwriting credit with you but I'll pay you the full amount <laughs> which is definitely how that happened yeah <laughs> well you know Matt a real egomaniac would share screenwriting credit that's how that works yeah and put you above his name in the end credit billing that's what an egomaniac would do Anyways, uh, yeah, Cora gets eaten by a spirit at the end of this. Yeah, she just gets fucking straight up eaten by a monster. Yeah, and they're like, After well, fucking that's it. With uh, Eska and Desna or whatever the fuck, I don't remember the guy's name. Eska and Desna, yeah. Desna, uh, we haven't right. really talked about the action in this season because it's all been kind of very punchy. 
even yeah, with the spirits it's solid um, though the spirit stuff is fine like i it, like the spirit yeah. action yeah and it's a cool like like a new like take on the action for this series too because we've never seen that you know and it is yeah. cool to see that like yeah they can push spirits away with their bending but it doesn't really do anything to them either. Yeah, she almost had that one when she went in the Avatar state, and then it just ate her. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then the series ended. It's a fucked up way to end it, but... Yeah, but you know what? Ballsy. Yeah. Very ballsy. So yeah, that's the end of the Avatar retrospective. Pretty weird, in my opinion. Pretty pretty but, odd, yeah, but... Yeah. You know, maybe there's a lesson there where... um, Don't fight a giant sea monster. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's the most relatable message since Mank. <laughs> Yes, in my opinion. Just like you um, shouldn't fight a sea monster, you shouldn't trust Orson Welles. I don't know. Yeah, in many ways, Orson Welles is like a giant spirit monster. Maha. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit world. Uh, Matt, how many Manx would you give these first five episodes? I'd give it five Manx out of six, I guess. Did I ever tell you just... about the Diego scale? No. Okay, the Diego <laughs> scale is one out of seven Diegos. You have to determine for yourself uh, how many Diegos you'd give a movie. Uh-huh. I'd give uh, I'd give the first five episodes of book two, Spirits of Legend of Korra, five out of seven Diegos. That's about right. Three out of four Manks. All right. Oh, Mank. <laughs> but no why did, it's a it's why a did you start. leave us why did you leave us mank because <laughs> he drank himself to death yeah but you know what my favorite scene in mank is i just have to bring it up uh when man, when they're all having that conversation about whether or not hitler is going to be a big problem <laughs> and mank's like well they've already got the first concentration camps up and running and then fucking uh what's his name uh Louis B. Mayer's like, what's a concentration camp? He like whispers it to its buddy. That's how you know he's out of touch. Because <laughs> he has to turn to his buddy and go, what's a concentration camp? And that's how you know Manx the hero, because he's against the Holocaust. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Not to, I, I don't want to be too critical about that aspect of it, because it's like, I, I just feel bad. That's what they call saving the cat. Well, yes, but like, I just feel bad because it's like this is the one personal film Fincher's ever going to make, basically, because it's yeah. like his dad wrote it. But it's also like, oh, his dad wasn't like this is his first screenplay. Yeah. Um, I think there's a knowingness so... to it, though. If I'm going to defend Mank, a movie I didn't love, I think there's like a knowingness to it. We're like, I think that's why it like leans into the schmaltz. And I think that's why it has like a very neat and tidy ending that like doesn't really make sense. I think I think Fincher's like trying to play with it a little bit. I'm not saying that I, justifies it. I just think that that's, yeah. he was he was going for something like that. I think he's I think he's doing more than he gets credit for with that movie for sure. The problem is just that like it never comes together, you know. Yeah. It's one of those. I like Mank uh blasting everyone at that party though. Yeah. I mean I I, I like Mank. Mank. I Mank. liked it. <laughs> It's just uh it's just it's fun to time. say mank. Oh no, it's terrific. Like the, the memes have made me so happy. <laughs> oh um, mank. But legend, it's, it's the f- legend of mank. The legend of mank. It, it's the first time I watched a Fincher film though and was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like the next one. That's all. 
you know, because oh, I, I definitely been, like a fan for a while. I definitely didn't feel that, but I've also kind of been like I've been getting a little more lukewarm on Fincher as I get older. Mm. Like just because you kind he's kind of doing the same thing in every movie, <laughs> and it's a lot of like fucking with the audience, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, I get it, buddy. Very, very clever. Mm. And, but well, he know, thinks he's—he thinks he's all that in a hot potato. And like to a degree, I would agree. But I'm also like, dude, just go back to making like trashy paperback stuff. It just has to. It says a lot that like he couldn't get a movie done like immediately after Gone Girl. Yeah, which was like a massive hit. Mm-hmm. Like he should have like been like you should have had a movie the next year. And it's just something that like Mindhunter was like one of Netflix's like prime shows and like that's like already seems to be done. Hey, Mank. That's, that's the Mank of it all. That's the uh, what do you Mank of it? <laughs> Next time we'll be talking about Chapter Six, The Sting. Chapter Seven and Eight, Beginnings. Chapter Nine, The Guide, and Chapter Ten, A New Spiritual Age. So five episodes this this podcast, five episodes next podcast. After that, who knows? Just kidding. If you know the amount of episodes, you already know the answer to that. But Matt, where can the people find you and your thoughts on Mink? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. Is that the only place they can find your thoughts on Mink? I think so at this point. Okay. I have okay. a letterboxed. I rarely write full reviews. I started writing a review of Mank, and then I was like, no one gives a shit. <laughs> <So I stopped. laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones that I had to like just pump out immediately with my initial thoughts because the first time I watched it, I was like, I think I need more yeah. before I, I share anything. And then I was like, nah, I feel about the same. So, and you can follow me at the Diego Crespo and check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get early access to the rest of the season of Korra, Book Two, Spirits. Check Ooh. out other stuff we got going on. Probably a commentary of something at this Bunch point. Of deleted shit that got cut out because we talk a lot. Oh yeah, listen to our thoughts on uh, Mank. I guess on I don't know. Probably some Mank stuff. Gallagher. <laughs> Everyone remember Gallagher. If you, if you want to know what we think about the comedian Gallagher, and by what we think of the comedian Gallagher, me just babbling incoherently <laughs> about Gallagher, um, then then donate to the Patreon. Yeah, like and subscribe if you like this episode. And if you didn't like it, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs>